A to Z Sports Prime Time from the Superbook Sports Studios. I'm your host, Buck Rising, and I am proud, as always, to be presented to you by TrueMav Fitness, a new way to work out. I took my first class at TrueMav actually about 5.30 today. It was great. I'll give you the details. $160 a month for unlimited classes and their open gym available to you at any time. TrueMavFitness.com. Uh, Two Rivers Ford, where you go for the best car buying experience possible. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. The Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage, the Intel edge you need to succeed. You'll get Titans Intel tonight. You'll text uh, or you'll go to garyashton.com and get your real estate info or Intel right after. Garyashton.com is how you do so. And Superbook Sports where you get in on all the action. You bring Vegas to the palm of your hand with their easy-to-use app, and they'll match your first bet up to $1,000, whether it wins or loses, superbook.com. So we've been through the ins and outs of this over and over and over again. Uh, I saw that Fire Todd Downing was trending on Twitter today. You know, I know that you guys are going to do what you want to do about these things. I told you. Uh, if you listen to the radio show today, or if you were somebody who asked me a question, we do the Q&A on the Instagram uh, for A to Z every Tuesday about the Titans questions. And I said, you know, y'all y'all act how you, how, how you like about the Todd Downing situation, and I'm basically just here for adult supervision. That's all I can do. But the more that I watch this game, the more that I say, I am not concerned about the Titans. And there's reasons why I'm not freaking out about the Titans. Uh, I think that um, people, it doesn't matter what I say to you guys. You're going to have your strong feelings about it anyway. You're going to go through the season with Todd Downing, whether you like it or not, largely because the results certainly on Sunday weren't bad enough to get him fired, even though you lost the game because of some significantly questionable decisions, which we can all acknowledge. But I think if the Titans are looking at back at that, and you'll hear from Greg Cosell on this, Greg feels that the Titans are going to look at what they did on Sunday against New York offensively and be like, yeah, that's that's kind of what we wanted to do. Now, I'll have him explain in more technical terms why that is the case. But here's the question that I want to ask you on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And it is a hat tip to what Austin Stanley and Zach Bingham did this morning. I thought the question was good enough that we should just steal it and we should talk about it together. Uh because I think it is fair to have our reaction to this too. Some of you, of course, watch both shows. Some of you don't have the opportunity to watch uh, both, so you'll watch one or the other. So maybe some of the results will be different. Uh, and if this is a repeat for you, I think it's still a an important conversation to have. Two Rivers Ford take. Where does Todd Downing stand for you? Too far gone or still has a chance? This was a question that Austin and Zach posed this morning. I think that I would like the opportunity to react to it. I think that you guys can do so as well. But as you do that, uh, consider that there's a number of different things that the Titans offense did well on Sunday and that the play calling did botch the situation for them in certain circumstances. But there was also execution issues that came about. Taylor Lewan missed a block on third and one for the Chig play. Uh, Derrick Henry bobbled a snap on the Wildcat uh, formation on third and one, which you guys were equally as pissy about, understandably so, because it didn't have the result that you wanted it to. 
But I think that you have to take each play within its own circumstance and evaluate that way. So from top for from your standpoint on Todd Downing, is he too far gone or is there still a way for you to salvage your relationship with the Titans offensive coordinator? We'll talk about it together. You'll hear from Greg right after I tell you about the people who make the Two Rivers Ford take possible. Two Rivers Ford, you're never going to be disappointed. Not like on a Sunday when your team loses and you're in a shitty mood for the rest of the week. Two Rivers Ford is going to go above and beyond to make sure that they provide you with the best possible experience. They've been doing it for Middle Tennesseans for nearly 40 years. Two Rivers Ford offers you great guarantees. It's nearly impossible to get businesses to offer guarantees in today's marketplace. That's not the case for Two Rivers Ford. They are willing to guarantee you a great price on your vehicle as well as a locked-in interest rate when you custom order a 2023 model year Ford. Right now, when you custom order an F-150, an Explorer, like you know I drive, a Ranger, Edge, Bronco Sport, Escape, or Mustang, they'll guarantee 2.9% APR for 60 months for all qualified buyers. So you can order now and lock in a great rate for whenever you start paying. They'll also give you $500 bonus cash on top of their already low prices. That's why Two Rivers Ford is the best. The best prices and guaranteed rates all at a locally owned dealership with a non-commissioned sales staff. So custom order your next Ford from Two Rivers Ford. So as you look at the offense and you look at Todd Downing, is it a salvageable relationship? Is it too far gone or do you think there's still a chance? Uh, Dustin Burton uh, with the correct answer to all of this. Get over it, guys. Downing's here to stay. He is. I don't think Todd's going anywhere. Um, I think I think Mike likes what he's got. I think Mike has a philosophical approach uh, that is going to continue this, uh, this scheme and this run heavy on first down offense and specifically with Derrick Henry on first down, first and 10, because they were efficient on those first and 10 runs. Now, I will say to you that you're not going to, maybe you're not going to be happy about this. And I, you know, it seems like a, it seems harsh for me to come on here and just tell you, yeah, you know what? Tough shit. Like this is who you got, but that's kind of the case that you have. Uh, our offense is trending down in says Jonathan Hernandez. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen that joke made on the internet when in reality, like the offense was fine. Like I wasn't bent out of shape about the offense itself. There was no praise for the good play calls, only honing in on the specifically the third and one decisions that cost them uh, sustained drives and uh, the opportunity to keep their lead as they only trailed when the Giants scored the final game-winning touchdown on the two-point conversion. Uh, what about Tim Kelly's influence? Where is it, says Justin Turner. You saw it in the passing game. I thought the passing game was great. I, I, like I said, you guys are bent. You guys are uh, bent out of shape about this. Ryan Tannehill misses a read to Nick Westbrook Aquino when he tries to target Traylon, uh, Traylon or not Traylon Burks. Kyle Phillips throws the ball too low. Easy first down. The drive ends. Derrick Henry bobbles a snap on third and one. If Derrick Henry keeps his eyes on the snap as opposed to looking to the, uh, I think it was a cutback that he was going to have to make on the play. Maybe that goes for a gain instead of a, a third and one in a game-ended drive. If Taylor Lewan doesn't botch a block on the Chigakonkwo uh, end around, 
you're talking about Todd Downing offensive genius as opposed to Todd Downing the scourge. Uh, Josh Bowman says, we lost to the damn Giants, Buck. Yeah, they kicked your ass. They came into your house and they kicked your ass. And you're going to have to eat it basically until Monday night. It's going to feel bad until Monday night. But when you look at the situation in reality, when you look at the situation in reality, you're going to uh, you're gonna listen to Cosell talk about this. Greg Cosell thought they were fine offensively. Greg, I think that the thing that we really keyed in on all week long is how often they ran Derrick Henry on first and 10 versus how much more effective they were on passing the ball on early downs and kind of the transition that you and I have talked about all offseason long to see if there's that kind of evolution for them to be a more efficient offense. Well, you know, again, first of all, they had great success on first down, both running the ball and throwing the ball. Um, Henry was 17 for 73 on first down. Now, that's 4.3 yards a rush, which every coach would take. What was lacking in this game was there were really no big, big explosive runs by Henry. He had an 18-yarder, and other than that, there were no real big runs, which I think everybody just gets used to him making every game, Buck. But yeah. there weren't those in this game. So 17 for 73 um, is pretty good. Now, Tannehill was 9 for 10 for 135 and two TDs with six of those completions resulting in first downs. So, yes, you could look at those numbers and say, wow, they should throw it more. But, you know, my guess is that when they evaluate this game and their first down plays and their first down approach, they're going to feel pretty good about it within the context of what they do. You know, I mean, they are a running football team first and foremost. I don't think fans in Nashville would probably say, let's stop giving the ball to Derrick Henry. Um, so overall, I think their first down ratio was probably what they would like. And they were very successful on first down. And I so that's uh, Greg Cosell of NFL Films. And Greg spot on. Like Greg knows how the coaches go about evaluating these games. They're going to think that they had a good offensive game plan on first down. You don't think they had a good offensive game plan on first down. You don't think they had a good offensive game plan on third down. And you know what Mike Vrabel is going to do with all that criticism? He's going to say, hey, I've got a suggestion box right here. I think I've done this bit before, but it still makes me laugh. I've got a suggestion box right here. It's called the trash can. Please place your third down and first down suggestions right here in Mike Vrabel's suggestion box. And he's going to go on about how Mike Vrabel does his business. Now, uh, to his credit, uh, they they win more than they lose. Mike's like 41 and 25, uh, including Sunday's loss throughout the course of his career here heading into year five. So it's not to say that Mike Vrabel knows all and that Mike Vrabel is going to make every right decision. No, he's clearly not. And he admitted to as such uh, being not, uh, not on – his game, uh, not on his game. Mike Hodley says, damn, Buck, empty that shit out. All right, listen, the, the cleaning ladies come on, on Friday. Get off me. All right. I got a lot of I got a lot of mail that I get in here. Not nothing ever good comes in the mail, by the way. That literally my entire trash can is just what comes to me in the mail. It's all just, you know, uh solicitations and you know, fake uh fake your car's warranties expiring and all these different things. It's exhausting. So, yes, my trash can is full. Get off me. Uh, but yeah, that's how it goes. 
So when Greg says, yeah, they're going to go about this and say the the Titans had a good, the, the Titans staff is going to say, yeah, we felt pretty good about our first down decision making. He's right. It's not going to change. It's not going to change because they were successful. They were successful. They botched a couple of critical calls. They're going to come out of this because I saw a lot of reaction on what was that Monday after Vrabel's press conference, like people were upset that Mike didn't come off more bothered by the loss. And you know what? how Mike looked at that game? We lost by one. We missed a field goal that would have given us the win. We called a good game for the most part outside of the disastrous plays that people are going to hammer us for. And the rookies look good. That's all Mike gives a shit about. Now he's going to go to get, he's going to go to Buffalo. They're going to put together a game plan and they're probably going to play the bills a hell of a lot closer than anybody thinks they should. I thought what's the, the lines hovering around what 10 or uh, 10, nine and a half, 10 right now. I need to check my Superbook sports app and I can give you the line for the Titans and the giants. Um, actually it's asking me to update my Superbook app right now. So we will do that momentarily. But I, I will tell you that, yeah, that's just, that's how it's going to go. So when Greg attempts to talk you off the ledge there, he's telling you how the coaching staff is going to evaluate it. You know why? Because Greg doesn't do hot takes. Greg doesn't do opinions. Um, and Greg is just going to break down the tape, look at the success rate, knows a lot of coaches in the league, talks to a lot of coaches in the league, and says, yeah, that's how it's going to go. So all these different things, um, all these different things are going to continue to be a part of the Titans game plan. Derrick Henry running on first down is going to be a part of the Titans game plan. Um, play action passing concepts are going to be a part of the a Titans game plan. Kyle Phillips is going to be heavily featured in the Titans game plan because that's how it goes. I, you know, I think there's a lot of things. Uh, I, I think that Jeff Swain, for whatever you may think of him, is going to be a big part of the Titans game plan because Mike likes what he gives him as far as a blocker and a receiver. And so if you do both of those things, you're going to be on the field more often than not, even if it drives you insane. Uh, I think that all these different things come together. Let's see, the Superbook Sports app, it it has updated. That was quite quick. Um, Has the Titans plus 10 heading to Buffalo on Monday Night Football uh, right now. I would bet... I would bet people are betting the bills. Although I would think that the the further we get into this week and this weekend, the sharp money will go on the Titans and that line will become a little closer. So honestly, I would take the Titans plus 10 right now if I was you. Based on their uh, record of success against Buffalo and Josh Allen in particular, I would take those points. But you know, you, you guys know I can't bet uh, with my money on NFL games. I can only bet with your money. So you go about this. Uh, Dwayne Holiday says the number one draft pick, not a big part of the game plan was wow. Well, listen, Dwayne, he expands on Traylon Burks and what he saw from him. Uh, I think that again, I'll say to you, I was totally cool with what they did in the passing game. I thought it was, I thought they got, they got chunk plays here. Let me look at my, uh, I got my team book right here. Their third down was shit. They were two of 11. Um, the giants were two of 10 for what it's worth. Uh, the giants turned the ball over more than the Titans did. The, the the Giants had more penalties than the Titans did, and still Tennessee lost that game on a last-second field goal. Now, Randy makes the kick. Nobody's been out of shape nearly as badly as people have been. But as I look at the miscellaneous play chart from week one and look at the Titans' passing plays that caught my attention, uh, they got explosive plays in the passing game. 31 yards uh, from Dontrell Hilliard. Uh, or two Dontrell Hilliard for a, uh, that was not a touchdown, the Dontrell Hilliard 31 uh, reception. 
but they hit Traylon Burks for 27. They hit Hilliard for 23, 23 and a touchdown in the third quarter. That was the second touchdown. He hit Hollister for 22. He hit Kyle Phillips for 21 to set up the uh, potential game-winning field goal that Bullock missed. He had a 20-yard pass to Traylon Burks. He had another 20-yard pass to Kyle Phillips. Like, they're getting chunk plays in the passing game. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. And honestly, like, Derrick Henry, I, I saw a lot of criticism. Ah, he doesn't look explosive. I don't know. No, Saquon Barkley had the Derrick Henry game last week, and Derrick Henry didn't. Derrick still, he was under four yards per carry, but, like, that's not a bad game for Derrick. There are plenty of, what was his final stat line? Let me look at Derrick's numbers here, uh, just since I have it in front of me. Um, he was something like, what, 18 for 84, something to that effect? Give me one second, and I'll be able to tell you specifically where Derek finished statistically in this game. Um, maybe I won't be because it seems that I did not include this page. Uh, just the final team statistics, not the individual statistics. Anyway, maybe producer Reed can put it in the chat for me. What Derek Henry's uh, numbers were. Uh, 21 for 80, says John Michael Presley. That's a, That sounds... About right. So like at 22 for 82. Okay. You guys are starting to give me variance. Read quickly. Give me the game book and tell me what Derrick Henry rushed for on Sunday. But, um, I think that that's, I think that that's what it is. Uh, truthfully, I find hating down downing when we lose. So boring says Ben Hall, whether a play call is bad. Doesn't mean the guys can't block correctly. Like I said, um, you know, who didn't have a good game in this game, even though protection was good. Uh, Taylor on did not play well. Uh, upon further review. Taylor Lewan did not play well. Again, would I have called the Chickaconco at 21 for 82? Thank you, Reed. Uh, 21 for 82 for Derrick Henry. That's not bad. I guess fine. I'm not I'm not bent out of shape about 21 for 82. That's a that's probably about what your average Derrick Henry game is going to look like. Now, he'll bring that average up because he'll have a 200-yard game in there. He'll have a 170-yard game in, game in there. All these different things. Uh, I think that when you go about this and you hear the analysis from Greg, and I'm going to play the analysis for you again, because I want to make sure everybody hears it specifically. The Titans are the Titans offense by their measure was fine. And I'll, uh, again, I'll let Greg explain that to you right after I tell you about true Mav, uh, true Mav fitness, a new way to work out. I did my first true Mav class today. It was great. It was quick. It was easy. It was not easy. It was sufficiently challenging um, for, for me, as I try to, you know, the goal is 200 by Super Bowl. by God, we're going to get it. Uh, when I go to Scottsdale for radio row this year and for the game itself, but the true Mav class was very enjoyable. It was four stations, four minutes a piece. Today was lower body. Uh, they call it their true four. tomorrow is, uh, full body with a focus on the upper body. If you want to get in, because if you're a Nashville resident, your first class is free. They have an open gym concept, $160 a month. You can go as many classes as you like. Also have access to their gym at any time that you would like. TrueMathFitness.com is where you go, or you can sign up through the Mind Body app and schedule your classes today. I really like the app. I really like the TrueMath classes. I think you guys are going to enjoy those as well. So let Greg explain to you why the Titans are going to come away from their self-scout feeling like they did a good job on first down. Greg, I think that the thing that we really keyed in on all week long is how often they ran Derrick Henry on first and 10 
versus how much more effective they were on passing the ball on early downs and kind of the transition that you and I have talked about all offseason long to see if there's that kind of evolution for them to be a more efficient offense. Well, you know, again, first of all, they had great success on first down, both running the ball and throwing the ball. Um, Henry was 17 for 73 on first down. Now, that's 4.3 yards a rush, which every coach would take. What was lacking in this game was there were really no big, big explosive runs by Henry. He had an 18-yarder, and other than that, there were no real big runs, which I think everybody just gets used to him making every game, Buck. But yeah. there weren't those in this game. So 17 for 73 um, is pretty good. Now, Tannehill was 9 for 10 for 135 and two TDs with six of those completions resulting in first downs. So, yes, you could look at those numbers and say, wow, they should throw it more. But, you know, my guess is that when they evaluate this game and their first down plays and their first down approach, they're going to feel pretty good about it within the context of what they do. You know, I mean, they are a running football team first and foremost. I don't think fans in Nashville would probably say, let's stop giving the ball to Derrick Henry. Um, so overall, I think their first down ratio was probably what they would like. And they were very successful on first down. And I th Again, Greg thinks that they're going to come out of that self-scout and feel good. I agree with his assessment because I know what that coaching staff wants to do and I know how they're going to go about this and they're going to continue to go about it the way that they lost that game on Sunday. And more often than not, to their credit, they will have success. Uh, somebody's asking me, or people asking, oh, uh, Len Kazakoff, forgive me, Len, if I've butchered your last name, says, Buck, what's the show called you and Greg do that reviews each week's games? And when is it on? Cheers. Well, Len, it's called The Install with Greg Cosell. Is it, it is available in every available podcast platform to you. Uh, it debuts every Wednesday. In fact, uh, so I, I sent it to Will Bowling. I'm going to betray confidence. For those of you who know who Will Bowling is, maybe some of you don't. Will is somebody I work with at the radio station where I do my show from 10 to 1. And I texted Will this evening because Will is responsible for editing the podcast to make sure the episode gets up on YouTube. Um, one, it was my fault that it's not already up because I sent him, I sent it to the wrong email. And two, I sent it to him about an hour and 45 minutes ago. He says, got it now. Full disclosure, I am on a date. LOL, might be a minute. So if it's not up, it's because Will Bowling's social life has gotten between you and the football content that you crave. But I promise you it'll be up by the time, probably uh, by later this evening and in time for your drive to work tomorrow. We did Titans offense, Titans rush defense against Saquon Barkley. We talked about Josh Allen. We looked at a couple of teams that surprised in week one. Greg was really, really high on Jameis Winston and how they came back to beat the Falcons with really Winston in the fourth quarter out there dealing. I went back and watched the... Uh, Watch the the game after Greg mentioned that. I think you're going to really enjoy the analysis of some of these different games and also the deep dive on Tennessee. Um, so now that we've talked sufficiently about the offense and I've had somebody smarter than me try to talk you off the ledge about Todd Downing, you're not going to feel any different about it. That's how it goes. Uh, I, think, uh, I think that what you need to now look towards is, okay, what did they do well? What can they build off of? because they're going to need everything they got at their best 
to beat the Bills, and they've done it consistently. Now, you remember last year's game came down to Jeff Simmons basically catching Josh Allen in his arms on a fourth and one, and I think that uh, I think that the chances of that happening like are probably one in ten because Josh Allen on a sneak is one of the most efficient and effective play calls in the sport right now. He's just a giant dude like Derek. It's, he's a giant dude, and he's tough to stop from one yard out. So on fourth and one, when Jeff Simmons stops him, it's a great play by Jeff, but uh, I think that that's how it goes. Uh, Chris Frazier says Paul Kaharski said it's Vrabel's fault. Well, he, no, that's not what Paul wrote, and it's not even what Paul wrote. It's what Mike Herndon wrote for Paul's website. What Mike wrote is that philosophically their approach is dated, right? They like to run the ball on first down. It's It doesn't mean that they can't win football games. Doesn't mean that they can't go out and, you know, beat an opponent that they shouldn't. Means every once in a while they'll lose to an opponent that they shouldn't lose to. But like I think Mike's article, if you read it, is more about the ceiling of what the Titans are able to do with their philosophical approach, given that they're a run first team with Derrick Henry and they're going to play these close games. And you can only do so well in close games the way that the Titans done have had in the last couple of years. Tommy says, I honestly just believe we are missing AJ on the offense. Well, yeah, I mean, you're definitely worse without AJ. But again, I say to you, the passing game was totally fine. Totally fine. Uh, even if, you know, you've got FOMO watching AJ go off for the Eagles offense. Regardless, let's talk about the thing that you are most confident in them being able to do heading to Buffalo on Monday. We'll talk about it together on Facebook. YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. What are you most confident in the Titans' ability to do? We will talk about this together. You'll hear from Greg Cosell again right after I tell you about the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. The Intel Edge you need to succeed can be secured at GaryAshton.com. Gary and his group will make sure that you have the best real estate intel in Middle Tennessee. It helps you sell your house without any showings or staging. It helps you find your next home while you sell your current one in this red-hot Nashville real estate market. It helps you win the buyer battle and cash in on your home equity now. The Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage is the official real estate agent of the Nashville Predators, of A to Z Sports Primetime, and of the Buck Rising Show on 104.5 The Zone. They're locally involved. They want to put you in a position to succeed. They want you to get the best intel so you sell your home for more. So don't sell without the intel at GaryAshton.com. So. What's the thing that you're most confident in the Titans being able to do? Van Jeffrey just goes generally. He says defense. Uh, I think the defense is going to get the the issues corrected. I don't think they're going to give up 238 rushing yards to the Bills. And again, the rushing totals look like that because Saquon broke a 66, no, what was it, 66 yards, 65 yards. Anyway, Saquon had a 60-plus rush. And also, let's see, I've got their longest play. So he had a 68-yard rush. In the third quarter, he also had a 33-yard rush in the fourth quarter. That was the one that Christian Fulton uh, poked out at the end. That had it gone out the back of the end zone, the result would have been a different because it would have been a turnover for the Titans. But uh, so the rushing totals are skewed by those big break uh, by those big uh, defensive breakdowns. It's a big uh, it's a big deal. I believe that the Titans defense will get those corrected because I just have to think that Mike Rabel is going to be pissed off about that and that the coaching staff is going to drill down on that this week leading into Buffalo. But I think on all the different things, 
on all the different things that you look at, it's got to go beyond the defense. Because not only did the defense give up 238 rushing yards, the defense also gave up a 65-yard coverage bust against Sterling Shepard that went for a touchdown in the third quarter that helped New York tie the game at the time. And then Tennessee would go back up. New York would go back down the field. Uh, They would score again on that pass to the tight end who was wide open and go for the win with the two-point conversion. So what do you feel the best about? Because the defense can't be the answer after week one. Well, I think a player on the defense can be the answer. And I think, my God, was Jeff Simmons special. Yeah. Yeah. On on the opposite side of things, Greg, Saquon Barkley, it was good to see him uh, return to form. He had a couple of explosive runs. In this game, a rare enough thing for us to see. I, I thought their their front was active, and certainly Jeffrey Simmons was ah. a problem throughout the course Je- of Je- it. Jeffrey Simmons welcomed the rookie Zudu to the NFL on a number of plays, um, and also uh, the the other left guard Bredson. He uh, he had some really good snaps. Simmons really stood out on tape to me. You know, one issue for them, and we kind of knew this would be an issue, so you can't be surprised by it is much of their pressure came from the inside. They did not really get much edge pressure. Mm -hmm. So, uh, something to be concerned about. Without Harold Landry's presence, they were not getting a lot of pressure on the edge, which includes Rashad Weaver, who did clean up some of Simmons' sacks, but they themselves were not pressuring, right? Uh, Or they were pressuring, but they were not as effective, obviously, as Jeff was from the inside. Now, Teams are going to game plan for Jeff. Danico Autry really didn't do much, even though he did help Jeff Simmons uh, attain a couple of one-on-one opportunities. I thought Bud was active and involved uh, in both the running game or, or in run defense and in the pass uh, against the passing attack. Danny Barnhill says Rashad had a sack from the edge. Danny, but you're misunderstanding me. It's not. This is why sacks, I think, are kind of a fraudulent stat. Um, Rashad Weaver was not that pressure or that sack did not result from the pressure from Rashad Weaver. That sack resulted from interior pressure moving Daniel Jones outside the pocket and the edge guys cleaning up. That's fine. That's effective. That's the best part. That's one of the most effective things in the NFL right now. Interior pressure is at a premium, more so than edge pressure. But you have to discern, because this is what coaches do, You have to discern what exactly is happening on the individual sack. Yes, Rashad Weaver lined up on the edge and got a sack, but it's not because Rashad Weaver was overwhelmingly effective on the pressure because Jeff pushed the pocket from the inside. Daniel Jones moved towards the edge. Rashad Weaver had more time, cleaned up the sack. Boom. That's how it goes. Uh, Five sacks didn't stop Daniel Jones from completing 80% of his passes. That's because, again, sacks are good for individuals who are looking to get paid on their next contract. I don't care as much. I care about sacks because they end up being the measurement of a good pass rush, but I care vastly more about pressures than I do about sacks because pressures tells me how they're doing it, where it's coming from, are they doing it consistently, and who's a part of that. It's a team effort. The resulting counting stat, and this is why counting stats are – you know, sometimes not giving you the best picture. Counting stats are all well and good, but I think you have to pay attention to the larger picture, which is what the coaching staff is doing. Sacks do matter, but they're not the most important thing. We'll leave it at that. 
uh, easy for Titans fans to say after they went to, they made the playoffs with 19 sacks in a year and were miserable both in, in terms of sacks and pressures. That's how it goes. Okay. Uh, but yes, Jeff Simmons is the thing that I'm most confident in them being able to do and being able to impact the game when they travel to Buffalo. Uh, by the way, I'm going to be in Buffalo. We'll do um, no primetime on Monday night, obviously, because the Titans will play Monday night. I will do primetime. I guess we'll do a Sunday night primetime, right, Reed? I assume that's how that's going to go. I'll be in Buffalo by Sunday night, so we'll do primetime from Buffalo, and I'll cover the game for you guys on Monday. Do the radio show there and fly back on Tuesday and get right back to it on a short week. Now let's talk about, so we've gone through the different iterations of the Titans, specifically on offense and defense. If you want more analysis, more tape breakdown from Greg Cosell, you can check out the install on your favorite podcast app, and you will be glad that you did because there's a lot of good information in there. Let's uh, quickly make fun of some college football traditions because there were some dumb ones that blew up in their face. Uh, Chase says, Buck, can I get an autograph while you're here in Buffalo? I live in Buffalo, LOL. Chase, I am happy to sign anything that anybody asks me to sign. I will only tell you, though, that the signature will make whatever you're asking me to sign less valuable. There have been a couple of times where, uh, where, and I'm, you know, I'm always, I'm always grateful. Uh, I'm always happy to see you guys. It makes me very happy the way that you all support the show. And I'm certainly, uh, certainly happy to do that but i will also say to you chase that yeah my signature isn't very valuable and so i hope you whatever you are asking me to sign is not of great value to you because there's been a couple of times like there was a kid uh in pittsburgh that had a titans flag with like a lot of the player signatures on it with a uh, rabel signature on it and i'm walking out of the tunnel in pittsburgh this was last year when they lost to the titans in december and the kid and his the dad, well, the dad listened to the show. So the dad said, Hey, will you sign my son's my son's uh banner here? And the kid looked at the dad, like, who the hell is this guy? I don't want his I don't want his useless signature on my on my banner. So I'm like, and the dad's like, Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Sign it. I'm like, ah, are you sure? Like this is this seems like kind of a bad idea. Like, this is gonna bring down the price if you want to sell this on eBay and pay for your kid's college at some point when Derrick Henry makes the Hall of Fame. Like, are you sure you want to do this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sign the thing. And I'm, you know, I'm like, okay. The kid hands me the Sharpie, I sign it. And the kid just kind of looking at me out of the corner of his eye. Like, I don't think this is a good idea, Dad. I don't know who the hell this is. So, yes, I will do that for you. Um, long story short, but it will not be of any great value. Anyway, uh, let's move on and let's talk about which SEC traditions in college football are the most ridiculous. We will talk about it together right after I remind you about the fine folks at Superbook Sports. You can bet college, you can bet pro, you can bet baseball, you can bet women's basketball. You can do all of these things. You can bring Vegas to the palm of your hand in the Superbook Sports app. They have lines up for every pro football game for the rest of the season. You can still get title bets in. You can do as you like with a clean and easy to use, efficient app available for Android users or if you have an iPhone. They'll match your best, your first bet up to $1,000, whether it wins or loses. So get in on the action at Superbook Sports. Gambling problem? Call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. So uh, what, is the, what is the worst SEC tradition? Uh, I, think that, uh, I think that is the question that we are going to ask you. Ryan Powell says the signature will be very valuable with a 104.5 The Zone 
uh, the Buck Rising show picture because he's going, well, that's very kind of you to say because he's going to be on ESPN one day. Well, that's great, Ryan, um, but I'm still under contract. I'm not going anywhere. Don't worry about it. Uh, we, we're locked in for A to Z and we're locked in for 104.5 The Zone for uh, a couple more football seasons. So that, don't worry. I'm, uh, we're staying right here. Um, let us go through uh, what the weirdest SEC college football tradition is. Derek R says Kentucky existing. I agree. I think the Kentucky, as my friend Ron uh, Ron Slay likes to say, Kentucky is the truth. Uh, they did have a big win over Florida. Uh, were they were they in the swamp or were they at Kentucky? I can't remember. I want to say they were in Florida. Uh, to win that game. So good on the Wildcats. I don't know if they're the ninth best team in the country, um, but they certainly did get a big win. Dustin Burton says, hey, now go Cats. Uh, go Cats. Tackle Cats is uh, what I like to call the Tennessee or rather the Kentucky football team. Um, Ramon says, not drop. What do you mean? Ramon's a dumb college football tradition? Uh, or Ramon likes to say Kentucky. That's probably true, too. Bryn McNeil says, calling the hogs at Arkansas. Love it, though. I think the calling the hogs is kind of cool. But I think the weirdest tradition in SEC football is this, uh, what is it called? Aggie yell or midnight yell that Texas A&M fans do. Texas A&M fans, if you're one of them, um, I question your judgment because they appear, you appear to be a part of a cult and your fans with this midnight yell nonsense are kind of weirdos. I had to Google this team to make sure that they're even real. I was really confused because Appalachia is definitely not a state. But sure enough, I found them and they're located deep, and I mean deep, in the backwoods, just like you would think any hillbilly college that names themselves the Mountaineers. I just hope that these guys can get here tomorrow all right, because I know for a fact that half of their football team can barely even read the name on their jerseys, let alone read a map. It's a shame that the only two brain cells that all these guys have left or can get knocked out by our wrecking crew defense tomorrow. Now let's have a fight text out yell practice. Yeah, Texas A&M fans are weirdos. Uh, they like the 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 like uh, few the few like uh, sad yells, the woos in the background, not very loud, as a part of this midnight yell thing. And some dude talking about he didn't know that Appalachia was a state trying to do a bad stand-up routine while he's wearing overalls and making weird gestures and calling for all these kind of like it's just they play Miami this week. By the way, uh, they did that before the game against uh, oh, who did they? They played App State. And you know what happened? They lost to App State. I think it was like 17 to 14. It was really, really bad. Um, so Texas A&M kind of uh, kind in, they're in football hell right now. And I used to feel bad for them, but then I saw a lot of these, you know, weird traditions and customs that they have. I'm like, yeah, those guys are kind of weirdos. I, uh, I wish they would stop that because some of it is, some of it is beyond bizarre. They do play Miami this weekend. If that was their joke routine for app state, I imagine that 
whatever they're going to say about the Canes is probably going to be uh, probably going to be even less funny and probably racially tinged because you know nothing nothing screams equality like College Station, Texas. Either way, SEC fans, uh, always a good time. It's going to do it for us tonight on the primetime show. Radio show will be fun tomorrow. We're going to have a Titans player. I believe it's going to be Kevin Byard, but I'll keep you updated um, because they have not nailed that down specifically. But we know one of the players is going to be on the show, and I asked for KB, so we'll see if it happens. Uh, We will talk about the college football slate. Um, We had a good radio show today, Mike Giardi of the NFL Network and Jonathan Crompton, the former Vols quarterback. If you missed any of that, check out the podcast. Make sure you go check out the install with Greg Cosell for your X's and O's breakdown and a quick preview of week two, including Titans and Bills. Do the radio show tomorrow at 10. It'll be a lot of fun. And one more primetime show this week before we ship off to Buffalo. See you guys. There's Matt All right, Prater. we haven't scored a point since I came in here. I am gone, guys. What? what that's but, it? But we got a couple more questions. No, that's it. Peace out by the GM. <laughs> <laughs>